live from the District of Columbia. You are listening to the Black Fundraisers Podcast, a weekly podcast that celebrates, inspires, and equips black fundraisers to excel and positively impact black communities. With your host, Kia Kroon. Good day, good people. Happy New Year. <laughs> it's yours truly, Kia Kroon, the founder and host of the Black Fundraisers podcast. And y'all, I am so happy to be back on the air with you after the holidays. I am super excited about this new year. In fact, I'm more than excited. I am expectant. That's the word I want to roll with. I am expectant of so many wonderful things that I hope to accomplish this year that I'm intentioned to accomplish. And I'm expecting for you too, good people. You know, what are you going to knock out this year? What are your aspirations? What are you working towards? Whether they're personal, professional, financial goals, what are you working on? How are you leveling up? You know, I feel like at any level, there's opportunity to level up and glow up. So I'm expecting and Excited for what's in store for you even this year. What are you going to bring into fruition? What are you going to unearth within yourself along your journey? And I realize, good people, you've got so many podcast options. So I'm grateful and humble that you're listening to me. And if you're new to the Black Fundraisers podcast, you can learn more about it as well as me and my 20-year nonprofit fundraising background by visiting my website, www.kiacroom.com. And if you are one of my day ones, faithful listeners, you already know what it is. Thank you. I want to send a warm hug to each and every one of you who write to me, and DM me on LinkedIn, expressing so much support of the podcast and the topics we discuss. I'm so grateful from the bottom of my heart. And I want to let you know that your support has helped to grow this community of listeners into a global audience. And I am so grateful and committed to curating great content for your listening pleasure. So today, I've got something a little new yet fun that I want to share with you. I am pleased to present Development Strat Talks. And these Development Strat Talks are designed to acquaint you with accomplished nonprofit leaders and fundraisers who are joining me to share proven methods, strategies, and approaches to key aspects of their work. And we're looking at strategies tactical strategies on everything from launching individual giving programs to evaluating the impact and efficacy of your programming within your organization. We're going to look at all sorts of wonderful things and talk with some really great people. And today's guest is Tyrone Roderick Williams, the president and CEO of the Fresno 
California Housing Authority. He stopped by the Black Fundraisers podcast to share his proven method for building resourceful, impactful, cross-sector collaborative partnerships. That is, partnerships with multiple diverse stakeholders, including government agencies, school systems, corporate industry, community and faith-based organization. Tyrone has mastered how to convene these groups, right? How to convene these entities and align vectors to achieve some degree of social return. And let me tell you, I've had the pleasure of working firsthand with Mr. Williams and seeing this strategy at work and celebrating its success. The brother knows what he's talking about. So as you're listening to these development strat talks, you'll want to have your pen and paper handy or your tablet to jot down these jewels and strategies that you can easily replicate and apply in your day-to-day work. The last thing I want to say is I shared Mr. Williams' bio via our show notes and just want to jump right into the meat and potatoes of the episode. So without further ado, good people, let's get into this episode, y'all. Please stand by as I bring Tyrone Roderick Williams to the Black Fundraisers podcast virtual stage. Hi, Tyrone. How are you? Welcome to the Black Fundraisers podcast. I'm delighted that you've joined me today. I am uh, delighted to be here and have the opportunity to talk with you. Yes, this is a a real treat for me. And this is a real treat for the good people listening who are exploring ways to diversify their fundraising strategy. So I have no doubt that this conversation about collaborative partnerships Building impactful, sustainable collaborative partnerships will be right on time. So good people listening, make sure you got your pen and pad ready because this is the man that you want to get all the 411 from and he's going to share some Jews with us. Right, Tyrone? Absolutely. So Tyrone, before we get into the conversation, I would be remiss not to talk a little bit about how you and I cross paths. And I want to say that I had the pleasure of working with Tyrone to bring a STEM initiative to the Sacramento community to benefit students of color, primarily black and brown students. And the way that he helped to shepherd all of these resources, I mean, we're talking more than $300,000 in resources to bring this STEM initiative to that community, the Sacramento Promise Zone. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. I've often heard people talk about what's your superpower, you know? And I've come to understand uh, that to my surprise, my superpower is being able to build teams, cast vision, and implement the vision successfully. And so... When I met you and we were endeavoring to do something that had never been done before in Sacramento, and surprisingly, most of the initiatives that I lead have never been done before. So there is no blueprint, so to speak, but there is a process, and we're going to talk about that. But being able to cast the vision of how young people's lives 
and their parents' lives could be changed and improved by that initiative was really the foundation for which we were able to raise $300,000 in a very short period of time and launch a program that is still having benefits to this day. And it was a joy working with you because I love to work with people who can focus and get her done. That's uh, two of your characteristics. So that's how we came to know each other and respect each other's abilities, passions, and gifts. Absolutely. Talk about that today. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell the good people listening something because you can't see Mr. Williams, but I put on this little ensemble here, this little blazer, because I knew that I was going to get upstaged here because this is one of the sharpest dressing brothers I've ever known to do this, to do what he does. Not only does he do remarkable work, I mean, he's always decked out just first class, just a first class gentleman. And it was an absolute delight having the opportunity to work with you. And I thank you for that. Oh, thank you. So, Tyrone, before we jump into the discussion, I want you to tell the good people listening just a little fun fact about yourself. Well, I love um, helping organizations grow and prosper. And so one of the little known things is that I'm the author of the book called Igniting the Power to Succeed, Practical Principles for Phenomenal Performance. And so I enjoy helping organizations and individuals achieve that. At the same time, I love working in the workplace with teams to be able to move initiatives forward. And that's why you've got me on your program today to talk about those cross-sector collaborations and efforts. And so that's uh, that's something that I love doing. So let's get to the meat and potatoes, Tyrone. I know that you've been at the helm of some very large-scale initiatives and have really perfected this art of building successful cross-collaborative partnerships that address a myriad of community or social issues We're talking education inequity or or STEM inequity, unemployment, underemployment, health initiatives, and more. And I'd like for you to take a moment and define for the good people listening, how do you define cross-collaborations and why they're so important to these kinds of social issues? Cross-sector collaborations are really the focal points of Individuals from different industries aligning their vision, their efforts, and their resources to come together to achieve a major impact in a specific area. That's really when you boil it all down. It's different people from different places coming together with one vision and one positive impact. That's it. And now you can add a whole lot of other things to it to embellish it. But when you want to get to just boil it all down to its core elements, that's what it's about. And most of the challenges that we're facing today, Kia, cannot be properly addressed with one group or one agency or one perspective. And so all of the issues that I've over the course of a number of years, decades almost now, for sure, um, is looking at 
who needs to be at the table that's not generally at the table, recognize what they bring and align the vision so that everyone at the table or everyone on the boat is rowing in the same direction. Uh, that takes some effort and also, also some gifting. I didn't realize that before, but uh, I think that's why I've been able to be as successful as I have and to be able to share that with others and see them be successful at it as well. You are absolutely right, Tyrone, and I agree wholeheartedly with what we're up against, what communities of color have been up against. There are multiple stakeholders that must be at the table and must be invested in real solutions, right? And we're talking about, just to give the good people listening some breadth of, of what we're talking about, I mean, the work that we did some of the industry, some of the community stakeholders that we were able to bring to the table included school systems. There were multiple mm-hmm. school systems, corporate industry, government. Who am I leaving out? There were some other community faiths partners. Absolutely. Civic leaders. Absolutely. And I think there's something to be said about your comment that it takes some gifting. I think that it also takes some real strategic thinking. I think that it takes having some influence and gravitas, being a person that is known and respected and trusted to do what they say they're going to do and follow through on that. So in a lot of respects, your reputation really befalls you and folks are looking to see what you're going to what you're going to pull off. Right. So oh, I, absolutely. I, I just thought it was important to add that. So we're talking about a patchwork of community stakeholders with those aligned vectors to really get under the hood and address issues in their community. The first step of building a cross-sector collaboration is really building the team. And the team is a broad term uh, because it means many people from different perspectives all coming to the table. Uh, But the first step in building a team is developing trust. If you don't have trust and integrity and credibility, um, it's you're just spitting in the wind. Let's just be real about it. Because what I've learned is most of the initiatives that I've worked on, I'm working with the senior executives. I'm working with the people who have the ability to say yay or nay. And they don't have time for foolishness. And they don't have time for ego games. They're looking to be able to work with someone who they can trust, who they can put their their full weight of their organization behind and know that they're not going to be embarrassed or know that things are not going to go sideways. So building trust. The other thing is managing conflict and dynamics. I can't tell you how many people we've invited to the table who have ulterior motives, who are are suspicious of other people. And you have to work through that. You first of all, you have to recognize that that's just normal. So just that just that just comes with the territory. But you work through that by having conversations and discussions and hard conversations about what's happened in the past that may influence how people perceive things moving forward, get past that, and then developing a culture 
that says, hey, we're going to do something different. We don't do cross-sector collaborations to do the same old, same old. At least I don't. I'm always looking at innovation. And so when you're invited to the table, it's because we're going where no man or woman has gone before. That's key to building those teams and keeping those teams and leaders engaged and at the table. That's really the first step that I've found to be successful in building long-term, impactful cross-sector collaboration. And there's more, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but that's step one, that trust, managing that conflict and, and inviting a culture of innovation. That's key. I love that. And that innovation is really important. And funders are hungry for innovation. I'm seeing people, I'm seeing uh, foundations, I'm seeing the corporate community willing to take some degree of risk right now and fund innovation if there are programs that are new, that might not be tried and true, that might not be evidence-based, but seem like a viable resolution and folks are, are willing to write a check for something that is well thought out and innovative and has the right folks at the table. So please get people listening. Take what Tyrone is giving here. I don't have my pen and pad, but I certainly will be listening to this and take some notes myself. I've got something that at the end of the, our time together, I'll share. I've done a broadcast on building the teams that I could go into much more detail. I'll tell you how to access that. Even if you don't have pencil and paper, you can uh, be enhanced by all that I have to share, even though we won't be sharing all of it during our time together right now. Sure. So you shared with us the first step, which is, I want to make sure that I have it right, building the Mm -hmm. team, and it takes a great deal of of trust. And just that, having the trust before you can move to the phase of ideating and so forth. Right. I'd love for you to walk us through what other steps you would have us to take. I think the next step would be to come together once you've got the team and to come together to, to, to talk about what issue, challenge, or problem, or opportunity are you going to pursue. And so solving problems are generally why cross-sector collaborations come together. There's an issue. There's a a challenge there. And often, sometimes there's an opportunity as well. But first, it's understanding uh, the impact on people. What is the issue? And then what do you want to change? What kind of innovation or new outcome do you want to establish? And so sometimes that looks at systems that create these challenges or The way that we've always done it has produced a less than desirable outcome. So let's look at how we not rehearse what we've already been doing. So looking at some systems or processes, procedures that have led to negative outcomes and adjusting those and looking at who's part of that, who are, who are, who's part of those systems and who's sustaining those unproductive systems that produce negative outcomes. And then looking at what do we want to change? What kind of results do we want? When do we want them? And how long do we realistically think it's going to take to see that? And that's a key 
point for problem solving. A lot of times, those of us who are in leadership positions who are approaching philanthropic organizations oversell because we want to impress the potential funder. We overpromise. Changing people's lives does not happen overnight. And just because somebody gives you a grant does not mean the population that you're going to serve are going to be all excited and immediately change their behavior or immediately change their perspective or immediately get excited about your program, your opportunity. It takes time. And I really appreciate you providing a platform to talk to the philanthropic community because sometimes in their efforts to fund programs and initiatives, they set organizations up for failure by requiring them to do the impossible in unrealistic timeframes. Now, we know that nobody wants to fund something that's going to take 20 years to see outcomes. There is time that's required. Oftentimes, I've had the opportunity to really kind of set some realistic expectations, timeframes for looking at how to be able to move to the next phase after solving the problem, which is achieving impact. Impact does not happen overnight when you're looking at significant challenges or even presenting opportunities. And so what I always say is let's begin to share the knowledge about what's already been out there. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. If something is already working, we don't need to reinvent that. But it's where we can enhance, expand, or correct things that have not been working. So we look at leverage points. What are you bringing to the table? I'm glad you're on the team. We've got our, we're together in solving this problem. But what are you bringing to the table? You may bring to the table experience. You may bring to the table credibility. You may bring to the table resources through the corporate community or the philanthropic community. But we want to know what are you bringing to the table and how does that support our, our efforts? And then we can align our motives and values because you, as I shared earlier regarding teams, you've got to be moving in the same position and the same direction. And all of us have got to be aligned with our motives. And we have to be clear. Everybody doesn't approaches this differently. So some people may have different motives. Some people may say, hey, my motive is to, is to invest in initiatives that are going to have an impact. Okay, great. I got your motive. Then somebody else's my motive is I just need to see lives change. You know, I, I want to see how many people are going to benefit from what you all are proposing. So when we get everybody at the table, align our motives and then put them on the table, then that's when we can start looking at how do we begin to achieve impact. So it's about building teams, solving problems and achieving impact. Those are the key elements. And I can elaborate on each one of them a whole lot more. But those are the key elements. Now, those are simple here, but you would be amazed at how many times something so simple is not understood and put into practice as people begin to launch new initiatives or come together to discuss launching new initiatives. You are absolutely right. It's, it's easier said than done. And there's a few things that you stated that I'd like for us to take a second to unpack. The outcomes and then yes. that chasm, that chasm that exists between Nonprofits like the nonprofits we 
have had the pleasure of working for and leading and serving. And what the funder believes is a scalable impact, right? Or our volume, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. That chasm is kind of is kind of dangerous. It, it's a real misalignment, and it's incumbent upon us that are doing the work. Is whether you're a CDO or development director or a program director, whatever your title might be, to articulate what impact looks like, even if it's incremental. Mm-hmm. Impact, right? I, I think I'm. That's what I'm hearing you say. Yes. It's, yes. it's incremental. It's incumbent upon us. We're telling the story about our constituents, and just like we're telling the story of the struggle, it's incumbent upon us to tell the story of what progress in the way of outcomes looks like, realistically, so that we don't set ourselves up for failure, and so that we are to being just and fair to our constituents. Yes. Every foundation or entity that's providing funding is very interested and should be interested. They're making an investment. Absolutely. And so there should be reporting. There should be data analysis that supports whatever incremental uh, progress is being made. So I'm all for analysis, reporting, data, because it helps us back up the stories that we are communicating. So yes, I'm all for that and support that wholeheartedly. But I've just seen how so many uh, entities chase the dollars and put themselves in a bind that then impacts their credibility as well as uh, creates unrealistic expectations on behalf of those who are investing in that initiative. And so. It all goes back to having the the conversation and aligning your vision and values and expectations. Not only should that happen with the members of the team, that should happen for those entities that are making investments in those cross-sector initiatives as well. Everybody should be aligned and on the same page regarding the outcomes and the expectations of how long those outcomes will take before they manifest. The other element that is so important is whoever's leading has to check their ego at the door. I can't tell you how many uh, (laughs) and they bring so much baggage and ego to it that, you know, I may spend a month just trying to uncover all the layers to get to the core of a person. But my deal is I love people. And I love making an impact. So I just come in as I am, just as I am. Right. And I found that people, when they know you're authentic, when they know you don't have ulterior motive, then they begin to open up in ways that they may not have opened up before. And that doesn't happen overnight. That is a process as well. So don't rush it uh, because... uh, Patience has its perfect work. So if you're, but you got to be persistent, you know, patiently persistent uh, in moving things forward. But those are some key elements. And you need to have different members of your team who bring those elements t- together to be able to move an initiative forward. 
You do. And I remember one of the fondest memories that I have about when we were working together was when we felt like we had some real key buy-in, like how exciting that was when that first stakeholder said, you know what, I believe in this and I'm going to get behind this and support it because what did we do with that? We leveraged, we leveraged it. Right. And <laughs> leverage, we, leverage, we leveraged leverage. it. Right. We leveraged the fact that this player was sold and bought into this initiative. And we even did a little bit of deputizing those stakeholders that were bought and sold to evangelize the work, if you will. You know, the forthcoming project and the excitement behind it and the challenge, their counterparts to get on the train and get on board with this. Our first major contributor in that particular had credibility all across the region. So that was a major win, but this initiative wasn't the first time that I'd ever approached them. We were already working on several much smaller initiatives. And so I wasn't coming to them for the first time asking for significant dollars, and they didn't know who I was, what I was about, or my reputation for building projects and activities that lead to success. So that played a role, but they were also just excited about what we were proposing. So I'm not about to under uh, underplay that because it aligned. Oh, that's a key key point. It aligned with what they were already committed to. That's another key component of building your team. Bring people to your team who are already committed to what you want to achieve. Don't take somebody who specializes in apples and try to convince them that they need to specialize in oranges. Find the people and plug them in right where they are and they will shine brightly and comfortably as they move your initiative forward. And sometimes we, you know, we see people who have big dollars but they aren't committed to what we're trying to do. And it, it's not our, our position to try to change your values or your objectives or even your area of focus. If I'm doing education and education is not your focus, I'm not going to try to convince you to do education. If your focus is education, but the schools need health care and that's your focus, well, I'm going to talk to you about how you can provide health care to the kids that are going to be a part of our educational initiative. I'm not going to try to try to change your doctors into preschool teachers. And I'm not going to try to change our preschool teachers into nurses and doctors. But it's plug in where your skill and focus already lies. And that's where success begins to happen. I agree. I've seen it firsthand, good people. So this isn't just hearsay. I saw this up close and personal in working with Tyrone. I've seen this strategy be highly successful. And you heard the man, this initiative that we work together on to bring to the greater Sacramento area is still achieving an impact. And there's nothing like when you are able to work in partnership with stakeholders and create a legacy, if you will. Yes. Leave a legacy like that in a community, a legacy initiative, a legacy program, something that will impact students. But we're talking black students, brown students, 
historically marginalized, racially, ethnically underserved students will benefit them in years to come. And, I, and I'm incredibly, I'm incredibly proud of what we did. And just personally, your commitment to the work that you do. I mean, it's, it's really remarkable. Well, Kia, you know, I have been given the, the privilege of sitting in seats where many of us have desired to sit and be in rooms and be engaged in conversations that for so many of us, we'd only wished that we could have been in the quote unquote room where it happened. Mm. My commitment is if I'm, when, not if, but as I am invited to rooms where it can happen, is to not forget where I came from and never forget the people who were not invited to that room. So I don't lose the perspective that I have made it. I walk in with the perspective that not only am I here, but our underserved kids are in this room. Our parents who need opportunity are in this room. I feel the weight of the community and the community issues that impact us. And so I'm privileged to to be in the room, but I'm not quiet when I'm in the room. And I am informed and articulate in presenting opportunities to help those who sometimes are not in the room. And that's just who I am. That's a part of my very being, my fiber. And we have in, in Sacramento and when I was in Atlanta and when I was in Houston, There are literally hundreds of initiatives that I was involved in leading that are still on autopilot. And that, when you talk about legacy, oh, that gives me joy because I don't want to always have to be the energy behind. I love when we get to the point where all of the team members really embrace it. And if I, if I, Step back, it still goes and it still is positive and having the impact that it was desired to have. That's for me personally, that's the ultimate success that I don't have to keep being the energy behind it. And we've got numerous partnerships that are operating on what I call autopilot without me being engaged, but getting reports and hearing good news every now and then. But the great work and the substantial impact continues. Yeah, and I love that. And that is probably the most rewarding part of the work. And the motivation for this platform for the podcast is as Black fund development professionals and fundraisers, we are in rooms and in networks representing the interest of our children who can't vote and don't have the medium to express what their pain points are and what is going on in their neighborhood and in their homes and those parents that don't necessarily have the the platform or may not even necessarily have the voice. We should be feeling the weight of that and, and proximal to that struggle, I think is key, that lived experience. A lot of people are doing a lot of talking these days about lived experience, centering on that lived experience and humanizing what these partners or prospective partners are seeing in data, like disaggregating and really humanizing who's in the struggle here, giving face and story to that struggle, right? And yes. bringing those solutions to the table. So I take that very seriously. And 
really count it in honor. And it sounds like you do too. Yes. And one of the things that I've looked at in building teams is to bring people who are traditionally not at the table at the table. When I'm building a team, we're going to have some folks who've never been invited to the table before. And I'm going to ensure that their voice and their perspective is as important as anybody else's, regardless of their title or their position or their ability to bring dollars to the table. And that is key because it's one thing for me to represent people in rooms where they are not. It's a whole nother thing for me to invite them to a seat at the table and honor their presence and their perspective. And that's been a key element of building the teams and cross-sector collaborations as well and, and helping them become comfortable sitting at the table. Yes, you deserve to be here just like everyone else. And uh, if I need to remind people of that, I'm happy to do that on your behalf. You know, I read a quote on LinkedIn or maybe another social platform a few weeks ago that said the people that have been denied the seat at the table are the table. Mm -hmm. They are the we mm -hmm. they are the table. And that struck me in a way. It, it really gave me chills when I read it. And I said, okay, you know, it really grounded me in that moment even that I read it. When I think about who I'm representing, I'm thinking about the kids like me in Oakland. I always talk mm -hmm. about the kids like me, you know, that's still over there in East Oakland fighting for their lives or walking for their lives. And just, on a, on a, as my grandmother would say, a hope and a prayer. Yes. So sometimes... To, to make it out. They might be one individual away. I came across one individual that helped me to think beyond East Oakland, beyond that zip code, right? And look where it brought me. You know, so I'm coming for the kids like me, good people, every day. When I get out of bed, I'm working for the kids like me. And I bring that same perspective. You know, I came from a small town east of Houston. Ended up at Prairie View A&M University. I know you HBCU. Hey, yeah. shout out to every HBCU graduate there is uh, who's listening. If I hadn't gone to Prairie View here, my life would not be anywhere close to what it is now. Because that they cared enough about this underperforming country kid to show him what could happen around the world and gave me the opportunity to do that. And so I come into the room remembering, no matter what all I've achieved, and I'm really grateful to all of those achievements, I still have not forgotten that freshman struggling at Prairie View A&M University and people helping me when they didn't have to help me. People seeing something in me when I clearly was blind to my own talents, abilities, and divine purpose. And then leaving that and then getting a full scholarship to MIT. When I got to Purdue Kia, I didn't even know what MIT was. I didn't even know what MIT. But then years later, they, they graduate from Purdue and go to MIT on a full scholarship, a charge to keep I have. Yes. I'm coming from, friend. I am elated to move initiatives forward. And at this point in my life and I, my career, I'm excited about helping others. I I am fully planted in my work in Sacramento. I know that what I've experienced, achieved, is to be shared, and I'm not stingy with sharing the good news 
of how to build cross-sector collaboration. That's right. I would listen. I don't have my tambourine close because I promise I would have hit it a couple of times when you were sharing that testimony. You know, I go there. That was a mighty good testimony, and I would have had to hit that tambourine. <laughs> I lied to uh, you. So we've talked about these critical steps, right? If, and, and if you would just reiterate those steps for okay. the good people listening before we go into our bonus segment. Okay. First, in building your teams. The first thing you need to do is develop trust and then understand that you need to manage the power and dynamics and conflict that happens in developing teams that lead to creating a culture that fosters innovation. That's the building the teams. Then the next is what are you going to do? Uh, what problems or uh, challenges are you going to address? And that's understanding the impact that's on the people now. And also, how do you want to positively impact uh, folks coming out of this, this effort? And so you look at the systems that are supporting uh, things continuing in the negative direction and looking at how do you adjust those systems and who needs to be a part of your team, looking at determining what do you want uh, your results to be, what kind of change over time, and what analysis or data is going to be required to do that. So in addition to the building teams, the solving problems, now you're looking at achieving the impact. And to do that, you've got to share the knowledge. What are your team members bringing and how can you leverage that? And aligning your motives and your, your values so that everybody's on the same page as you move forward to achieving those impacts. So those are the key elements, uh, to that I've used and uh, they are not proprietary. Uh, believe me, I got them. So well, I had the uh, opportunity to be a part of the Presidio Fellows Institute, which was uh, created under the Obama administration, where they brought key leaders from around the country who were already doing the work, but then defined it and clarified it for us so that we could really understand what we were doing, even though we had created titles and topics. But this came out of that. And, and so now uh, I'm happy to be able to share that. Uh, not only that, but to say it works. This is not some academic, hypothetical, brouhaha. This stuff works when you work. It works. So good people, you've heard it from Mr. Tyrone Roderick Williams. You got some strategy here, and I trust that you will operationalize what he's telling you to advance your goals and ideate and innovate. So I appreciate you for sharing that, Tyrone. So before we get out of here for the day, I want to go into our bonus segment and just get a little personal with you for a moment. My question for you is, Tyrone, when you look back over all of the achievements, all the work, all the struggle, all the progress you've realized, right, in professionally, personally even, what advice would you give your younger self? The advice I would give my younger self is really two things. Trust God and trust his process. That's a word. That sums it all up for me because it has been a process. Oh, friend, I have taken the cynic route. <laughs> yeah, I am. Oh, but you know what? I'm glad I'm here and uh, I'm grateful that I'm here. So trust God and trust his process. 
Amen to that. That's a word. And the humility that I feel when I talk to you, I hope that the good people listening can feel that humility through their devices, through your AirPods, wherever you, your computer, your speakers, wherever you might be listening. Such a beautiful quality to have, especially in the work we do, that, that humility. There's an old saying, many hands makes the work light, right? And mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about, good people, is bringing those hands and that resource to the table to make the work a little lighter, right? To do some positive things and make some positive inroads in communities that really, really need them. You made my heart light by being able to share the things that we've talked about today on your platform. I am so appreciative for you inviting me to be a part and a guest on your program. I've seen the other guests that you talk about humble, that humility. Oh, I'm just glad to know you. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a wonderful time and I'm really grateful and appreciative to you for the invitation. Good people. I hope you enjoyed the first of many development strat talk episodes. And I encourage you to consider implementing Mr. Williams strategy and approach to building cross-sector collaborative partnerships. I encourage you to consider the following questions for musing. What issue are you looking to address within your community, within your region, within your state, within our great nation? What entities or agencies need to be at the table on this issue? What kinds of resources will it take to really address this issue? And what kind of impact or social return can you expect to achieve? When building these partnerships, who will take responsibility for doing what? These are just a few of the questions that I found myself asking when working with Tyrone, other partnerships that I've been at the helm of. Good people, I hope you got value out of this episode. Hit me up on my social media and let me know what you thought, as well as feel free to suggest Any topics that are of interest to you, what are you looking to learn about? Hit me up and let me know, and I got y'all. And until next week, good people, stay tuned, stay down, and keep your head up. Thanks for listening to the Black Fundraisers Podcast. Like what you're hearing? Subscribe to the Black Fundraisers Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, and leave a five-star review. Connect with Kia on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter to stay connected.